Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Congratulations, true crime addicts. We've survived another week. It is Friday, May 20th, 2022. And these are the top true crime stories from around the world, from around the globe. And we do get to the other side of the pond today. There's a lot going on in this crazy, crazy world. I mean, there's no debate, though, what this week's top story was, right? And it started off with a bang on Saturday. I'm talking about 18-year-old Peyton Gendron, who shot and killed 10 people at a top supermarket in Buffalo just this past Saturday. 18-year-old kid. Have you seen... And I know people will argue with that. No, he's a man. He should be tried as, as an adult. This is a terrible crime. I do still want to make the argument, though, that your frontal lobe does not fully, completely develop until you're 25. Uh, there's a lot of people who failed this kid along the way. We'll get to it here in a second. Not to take anything away from 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 what he did. It was, but I think this is systemic and the type of story we're seeing almost weekly. Go back and listen to some of the old episodes. Your your school shootings. Mass murders, the, these end with the same type of weapon, but I'm getting ahead of myself. This happened last Saturday in Buffalo in a top supermarket. Peyton was wearing tactical gear, a helmet, and armor. He was live streaming the whole thing with a camera. It's according to the Washington Post, who covered it in depth. The link to that article is in the liner notes at the end of uh, where you get your podcasts. The victims, these 10 people, range in age from 20 to 86. This person made it through 86 years of their life, was gunned down in a top supermarket. Peyton was from Conklin, New York. Buffalo is about 200 miles away. 
He was casing the place for a while. He had posted that he was going to do this on Discord and 4chan. If you don't know what 4chan is, you think Reddit, but extreme and no supervision. So Peyton's now charged with first-degree murder in Erie County. He was seen at that store a day before the mass shooting, the killing spree. He was posing as a beggar, bothering people he was asked to leave. He's left a 180-page manifesto online where he talks about the dwindling white population in America. This was a hate crime. Peyton called himself a white supremacist and an anti-Semite. He had made threats at his high school when he was 17 years old last year. He was kind of on a on a list. They investigated him. The police were called. And, and within a year of making threats at his high school, he was allowed to legally purchase a Bushmaster XM-15. That's an AR-15 style assault weapon purchased legally in New York less than a year. You'd think you want to take a real close look at the type of people that are getting that AR-15 style rifle, which is the rifle of choice for school shooters in America. And we're giving them away to 18-year-olds. He's another symptom of this this violent rhetoric, uh, this idea that our white population is decreasing and that that's a threat to society somehow. That rhetoric and fear will catch up to you. Uh, some interesting little little pieces of, of information are trickling out about Peyton. He was terrified of catching COVID, which doesn't quite fit in with that whole white supremacist movement, that conservative movement. He certainly believed in COVID. He wore a complete hazmat suit to school. You're already antisocial. And you're locking yourself away in this hazmat suit because you're completely paranoid. His parents are saying that, in fact, he became paranoid during lockdown. They're kind of blaming COVID. They expect to use COVID as a defense here. I don't think that's going to work so much. Uh, Nobody really knows how to handle these big stories that are just full of hate and anger you look at this report from cnn that i that i've linked here too and there's a uh, there's a line here at the end of the article it says cnn reached out to 4chan for comment good luck with that there's nobody there <laughs> that's going to take your that's going to take your call it's not uh it's not facebook he had a court appearance Thursday, just yesterday, where he was heckled by the people in court. That does not look good either. Uh, there, There's a need to keep the justice system separate and apart from our emotions. It's a place where logic and order trump everything else, but... 
you have these people that are just full of rage taunting this 18-year-old man, this teenager, as he comes to court. There's there's just there's nothing good in, in, in all this. So tragedy all the way around. Um, the United States Congress, the House of Representatives, passed a domestic terrorism bill just yesterday. It broke along party lines with the Republicans, except for one brave Republican, voting against the measure. I don't know why we wouldn't want to spend a little bit more money looking into domestic terrorism after so many people have been killed in this this last year. Uh, So it passed the House, but it faces a challenge in the Senate. It will likely not pass there, Uh, but keep an eye on it. You know, eventually we'll hit, uh, you know, that level. I don't know what it would take to, to pass these bills if if this doesn't do it and the, and things like Parkland and, and Newtown don't do it. But until then, we'll keep talking about this in the, in the top stories every week uh, because I'm sure this won't be the last. Jumping over to Ukraine, the very first war crime trial took place this week. This is the first war crime trial to come out of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and it happened in Kiev. So they're being bombarded. They're they're under attack. The war is ongoing, and still, there's still there's always people that are going to what's the phrase? Keep calm and carry on. That's what's happened. They're having trials in the middle of a war zone. And that's what happened this this war crime trial this week. It's according to the Guardian. Russian soldier Vadim Shishimarin Shishimarin. He was a tank commander and he was uh and you want to guess an age? Tank commander for Russian army. What would you think the age is? It's twenty one. Twenty one years old, tank commander, he pleaded guilty Wednesday to killing an unarmed man during the invasion. He killed Alexander Shelopov, and it's a 62-year-old father. This happened on February 28th. Shot and killed an unarmed man. That's a war crime. Um, Vadim said in court, I acknowledge my blame, and I ask you to forgive me. He said this to Alexander's widow. Widow says she's actually fine if he doesn't serve any time. How about that? says that maybe he should be swapped for Ukrainian prison prisoners that are being held in Mariupol. Ukraine says they have identified 10,000 possible war crimes. This is just the first of many, many trials to come out of this invasion. And most of these will be 21-year-old tank commanders like Vadim. What were you doing when you were 21 years old? I know what I was doing. I was at the dog pound, a uh, or the dog house. It's this bar at the uh, crossroads of Kent and Ravenna. I was singing karaoke very badly. Uh, I couldn't imagine common commandeering a uh, or commanding a tank platoon. They send the kids because they're stupid. It's it's as simple as that, um, and 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 all sides do it. So. This is, I'm fired up this week. I'm sorry. The world's falling apart. I, 
Uh, but I've got some good news uh, towards the end. Of the, you're going to hear about cold cases solved with genetic genealogy and updates in cold cases we never thought would be solved. So, so bear with me. The, the, the first half is always, always a little rough. But you, you need to keep up on what's going on, right? That's what I'm here for. These are the top true crime stories. And the third one is nuts. The Delphi case has blown up again this week. Remember the Delphi murders, 14-year-old Libby German, 13-year-old Abby Williams. This occurred uh, in February of 2017. These are the two girls that were, were walking down this trail and walked across Monon High Bridge, this old train trestle. There was a man waiting for them. They captured him on Snapchat, I believe, social media. They have video of this guy, and you can hear him say, down the hill, chilling. This week, uh, Murder Sheet podcasters have been coming up with new information. They know exactly where to dig. These are actual journalists. You've got a lot of podcasts that are that are great, but that are done by people that are, are not journalists. The real journalists know where to look. They know where to dig. And the Murder Sheet people are at the top of their game, and they're doing some good, good journalism, no matter how you feel about what's come out. This is, this is what journalists do. Uh, what leaked this week, the Murder Sheet podcasters discovered an affidavit that was for a search warrant that was served in 2017, about a month after the murders. This is according to the Journal and Courier. This affidavit was written by an FBI agent, and they were they you need a, you need something like that in order to go to a judge and say, "Hey, we need a search warrant so we can get into this guy's house and look for evidence." And that's what happened here. I'm not going to name the guy, but he's he's been named in the press. He's since uh, dead. And what what they were doing was they got the search warrant to search a guy's house who owned property near where the girls were found. Some details came out in the affidavit, though. The FBI believed that due to the nature of the murders, the killer likely would have blood all over him, would have blood on himself. They also said they believe he took pieces of clothing from the girls, souvenirs of some sort. I've seen it reported, too, that there was a thought that the bodies had been staged and possibly moved. I don't know how likely or, or real that part is. But they were able to get a search warrant and search the house of a property owner here. He was 77 years old, and he's dead now, which is why he's being named in the press. If he was still alive, they they wouldn't be naming him. But little known fact, you can't libel a dead guy. Say anything you want about a dead guy. He's not going to sue you, and the estate can't sue you either. Um, so it's kind of a dirty trick that they're using. In order to name him, I don't think he should be named. He's still uncharged, even in death. His former girlfriends came forward to the police and said he was abusive. Here's the kicker. Interesting little fact, the 77-year-old guy lied to, his, uh, lied to police. Um, and he tried to come up with an alibi. He told his cousin to lie to the police and, and say that he took him to an aquarium store during the time of the murders, and that was a lie. So why are you lying? It it sounds 
guilty of sin, but I'll tell you, having looked at a number of homicide cases, I I can assure you this happens all the time. People get scared. They know they're in the vicinity. They're just sitting at home. They know they don't have an alibi. They know they didn't do it. So they're like, okay, let me come up with a solid alibi just so they can rule me out. And not. And that's that's what happens. I saw this in the Lisa Pruitt case recently too. Um, very similar situation. A person that didn't have an alibi lied to make it up didn't mean he did it. Now, one thing you should remember, and this sounds like big news, but it really isn't isn't news so much. Because the search warrant happened in 2017. We're just now learning about it in 2022, five years later. And since then, the police have continued to do work. This They might not even be... Look, this guy might have dropped from like the number one suspect to like the number five or something, especially in light of Keegan Klein and being named as a person of interest just a couple months ago. Remember, Keegan Klein was that creepy dude who was arrested for child exploitation and pornography, and he was using a social media account named Anthony Schatz. Now, Interesting, and in this Anthony Schatz had a, a picture of like a model, like a model dude, a really good-looking young man, and he was using that social profile to solicit photos from girls and and to talk to young girls. Now, here's here's the thing to remember: Keegan Klein's father, who's not been arrested, his name's Tony. And remember the it was the profile's name Anthony Schatz. Well, Tony says his son, also had access to that account. Libby German, it's been reported, was enthralled by this profile. And they believe were these girls were talking to this profile the day of the murder. So that's, that's, that's a pretty good suspect. Hey, I'll be right back with some cold case updates. Uh, Brittany Drexel is in the news again, and there's a San Francisco story I want to tell you about that's uh, getting some heat right now, too. I'll be back in two and two. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome back to Cagney and Lacey starring Tyne Daly. So remember last week we were talking about the search that was going on in South Carolina that people were beginning to think was connected to the Brittany Drexel case. Turns out that was right. That search last week was in fact connected to Brittany Drexel. Remember Brittany was seven, a 17-year-old from Rochester. She was on spring break. She, she kind of lied to her mother. Her mother didn't know she was on spring break in Myrtle Beach. On, sept- on April 25th, 2009, on the way uh, to a-, a hotel, she had walked from one, she was going from like one party to another, disappeared. Well, this sex offender named Raymond Moody, 62-year-old man, has now been charged with her murder. The- they found her remains last week. That's what they were searching for, and they did, in fact, find her they searched the police searched uh, Raymond Moody's apartment. They'd been looking at him for a long time. They first searched his apartment in 2011, didn't find anything, and he's he was questioned by police recently, where he admitted to the murder, and they told them where her body could be found. In fact, they found it. DNA confirms it. So that's the end of the Brittany. Drexel case and the trial will come soon. Uh, although he's he's pleading guilty, so I, I don't think there'll be much to that either. The San Francisco Gate is an alt weekly in San Francisco. You know I like those alt weeklies. They are putting pressure on police this week. There's a really great article in, in San Francisco Gate uh, that I've linked in the notes of this podcast. Check it out. This is a real locked room mystery. And remember, Sherlock Holmes, that's what he was all about. He liked those locked room mysteries where you'd find somebody that was murdered and they're inside a locked room and how could it happen? And he had to piece together exactly what, what, who did it and how. It's a real locked room mystery. This involves a young man, 36-year-old man named, uh, now, the name is H-U-G-U-E-S. He's French. It's pronounced Hugues de la Plaza, Hugues de la de la Plaza. He was out partying with his friends at a bar, went home about 2 a.m. Now, he was in a really good mood. He had a new job. He was hitting on girls. He was looking up profiles on dating sites. Went home at around 2 a.m. Neighbor heard, there was a neighbor, and he heard a thud. 
and then he remembers hearing footsteps running down the stairs. Next morning, the neighbor found blood on the front porch. Looked through the window, saw more blood inside De La Plaza's house or his apartment. Called police. They broke down the door and found Yug stabbed three times in the chest, neck, and stomach. Doors were all locked, by the way. They had to break it down. Police ruled it suicide. What? Yeah. Ruled suicide. How's that work? Well, they, they can't figure out a murder either. Here's, here's the reasons why they, they ruled suicide. First, only Yug's footprints were found in blood. There's blood all over the place. His footprints were there. No other footprints seen. He never called 911. If he was in trouble, if he was bleeding out, if he'd been attacked, why didn't he call 911? He never shouted for help. The neighbor's down there. They think he came home and, and killed himself with a knife. Now, here's the problem, though. By the way, his friends believe this is an out-and-out -out murder. No way could this be suicide. He wasn't suicidal. And here's their big piece of circumstantial evidence. There's no bloody knife. He killed himself, but they couldn't. the, the knife's gone. Well, the police say, oh, he washed it off after he stabbed himself and put it back. Really? Maybe? I don't think so. There are no drugs in his system, by the way. Here's a scenario that, that fits the friend's belief that he had come home and was actually attacked outside, attacked and stabbed outside, maybe by a, a jealous boyfriend of one of these girls that he was seeing. Stabbed and then he rushed inside but had already lost too much blood, fainted, and bled out on the floor. That would explain why it's locked. You know, you do that by habit. You come in, you know, especially if you've just been attacked, you're going to lock the doors. So... He was on his way to call and couldn't make it. Very strange case, though. Check it out. Some updates in the world of genetic genealogy. It's a 1988 case. 79-year-old Lucille Holtgren sexually assaulted in her home and murdered. This happened in Galt, California, back in 88, according to the Huffington Post. Well, her killer has finally been identified as Terry Leroy Bramble. Bramble was 32 years old in 1988. They ID'd him by getting the DNA from under Lucille's fingernail. She fought back. This is how we got the Barbara Blatnick case, by the way. Same thing, under fingernails. Traced him back to him. Now, Bramble was a registered sex offender. He died in 2011. Now, justice is catching up to these people, even though they're, they're long dead. At least there's an answer to these unanswerable questions died while living under a bridge at age 57 natural causes hard life hard end due to his choices right back when they uh back when this assault happened you needed a dna sample in order to test it you, the sample had to be about the size of a quarter so much has changed since then that now the sample only needs to be about a billionth of the size of a sweet and low package. That's a weird <laughs> that's a weird form of measurement that came out in the newspaper article by the way. Uh, why? Like could you say like a hair's length or the tip of a needle? No. A billionth of a sweet and low package. Okay. 
Uh, Jane Doe has been identified. Uh, she was found on the border of Kentucky and Tennessee back in 1998. She's been identified as a missing Toledo, Ohio woman, according to ABC 13. Her name was Lori Alexander. She was 27 year old, years old when she went missing from Toledo. Somehow, her dead body ended up on the Kentucky-Tennessee border. Now that we know who she is, the investigation into her homicide can begin finally. This is thanks to NamUs that uh, exhumed her body a couple years ago and got DNA, got fingerprints, and that led to her being found. So this is just an unprecedented time. All these cases are being solved. It's wonderful. I got some crazy, strange true crime news this week. Stay with me. Um, if you're listening to this late at night, I apologize in advance. This is one of those stories you don't want to listen to at 2 a.m., but here it goes. This has come from the Ask Reddit subreddit, and the question was posed on Ask Reddit. People who have encountered a serial killer in their lives, what did it feel like? I'm going to read you a couple of answers here. Here's the first one. Obligatory not-me answer. But my sister-in-law encountered Ivan Millet, one of the two men that inspired the Wolf Creek series. Scary story out of Australia. She was traveling the east coast of Australia for a few weeks with her brother. One night, her and her brother were having jerky and beer, as you do, by a campfire when Millet sat down at their campfire. When she first saw him, she thought he was a park ranger because of his style of dress she thought he was going to tell them that they built their campfire in a prohibited area, but instead he commented on what a beautiful evening it was and pointed out some of the notable stars. Ivan never probably introduced himself. He just sat down and started chatting. He asked my sister-in-law where she was from. She told him Darwin. He said, what's a Darwin girl doing all the way out here? My sister-in-law explained that she was on a road trip. She seemed, she seemed to pique his interest when she told him that instead of doing the usual beach vacation— she wanted to do something a little more rugged, like explore caves, do a little rock climbing, hike trails that were not popular with the tourists. My sister-in-law says that Ivan was very friendly, and he had a lot of ideas about places she might like to go, including a cave that had a waterfall inside, which was a bit of a hidden gem, not well known to tourists. She felt comfortable talking with him, and when he invited her and her brother to join him at his campsite for some rabbit stew and beer, she would have said yes, but her brother instantly turned him down. Ivan's response to the rejection was a slight, well, I tried, shrug of the shoulders. He went back to his campsite, and her brother quickly packed their things in their rented land rover. They wound up sleeping in the rover outside a well at Gats station that night. She said what was so scary about that night is she felt almost immediately comfortable around Ivan. No red flags whatsoever. He reminded her of one of her uncles that worked construction, one of those rugged but worldly kind of guys. She kind of wonders what would have happened if her brother had not been there that night. Story number two. My auntie was nearly a victim of the Moors murderers. There's a new book about that, by the way. She was walking home from school one day when a Land Rover pulled up next to her, rolled down its window. There was a lady driving. She told my auntie to get in. She'd drive her home from school. My auntie said she didn't get in, star in cars with strangers. The woman said she was a family friend, and my grandma had sent her to pick her up. My auntie noticed that there was a motorbike parked just up the road, and the rider was watching this go on. She had the good sense to run into a nearby shop. Didn't come out until they left. 
Sure enough, a year or so later, she saw the woman's face all over the news. It was Mira Hindley. It had also come out that while Myra, sorry, Myra Hindley, Myra was luring victims into the car, Ian, Bre- Ian Brady would follow behind on his motorbike. My auntie says she just instinctively felt there was something very off about the situation and that the woman seemed too keen to get her into the car. The last one's a doozy. Here it is. I served time in the, in, a, in the same army unit with Israel Keys. I spent a significant amount of time with him between 1999 and 2000. He was super quiet and reserved and loved to fucking drink. He was super chill and hung out in his barracks room most of the time listening to corn and ICP. I think the fact that he was around a hundred other soldiers. He couldn't do anything but blend in, but in retrospect, I can see the antisocial tendencies. He really only had three or four friends from the mortar squad and a handful of others like me. He used to walk around the hall slowly, drunk as shit. Now I know he was probably thinking about the people he'd killed up to that point. He'd already murdered a couple before he enlisted in the army. Never know what you're going to find on Reddit. Let's go to pop culture. Is everybody watching The Staircase? I hope so. It's incredible. Check it out if you haven't already. But this week I want to tell you about a new true crime book that you might want to check out. It's called Who Killed Missy Witt by LaDonna Humphrey, a friend of mine. This involves the unsolved murder of 19-year-old Melissa Witt. This happened December 1st, 1994. Missy vanished from the Bowling World parking lot in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Her body was found six weeks later in the Ozark National Forest. Murder remains unsolved and has all the information you want to you want to read up on. And hopefully they can hopefully somebody who reads it has that piece of the puzzle that's missing. That's always the hope. Let's check the charts. These are top true crime podcasts in the world according to Chartable. Ding ding ding. But uh, look who's back this week. It's Sword and Scale. I haven't seen him up in the charts for forever. And here he is climbing again. Uh, this is the this is really dark. I can't listen to this. I know a lot of people like it. It's full of audio. Uh, lots, of, lots of audio from police reports and 911 calls. It's very graphic, very disturbing. And the Mike Boudet, Boudet, the host behind it, is... Thankfully, there are people more controversial than me, James Renner, um, <laughs> and, and he's he's managed to persevere. People still like his stuff, so weird to see Sword and Scale up there again, but uh, good for him. Number eight, I want to tell you about this new podcast I hadn't heard about before. It's called Dead End. It's a little different. Here, it, here's the write-up: New Jersey politics is not for the faint of heart. But the brutal killing of John and Joyce Sheridan, a prominent couple with personal ties to three governors, shocks even the most cynical operatives. The mystery surrounding the crime sends their son on a quest for truth. Dead End is a story of crime and corruption at the highest levels of society in the Garden State. Episodes released every Tuesday. That sounds cool. Check it out. And that's it for this week, guys. Uh, That's quite an episode. Sorry for the rants at the beginning of the episode. This just been a rough week. 
for for <laughs> for everybody, I think. Um, but uh, you know, there's always cause to celebrate because it is Friday, and in the words of the incomparable Murray Saul, the Godfather of Cleveland Radio, we gotta 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 get down. Damn it. True Crime This Week is a Fearful Symmetry production. Our theme music is Trash Town Boogie by Mr. Smith, used under a Creative Commons license for use in this show. All sources are listed in the liner notes at the end of this episode. If you like the cut of my jib, please check out my other podcast, Philosophy of Crime. Unless quoted directly from a source, all content should be considered the opinion of the host. That's me, James Renner. See you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.